No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we continue Solomon's Song of Songs as we look at the courtship between these two lovers. She is insecure about her looks, but he sees her as a lily among thorns. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Song of Solomon chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. We continue today with the Song of Solomon, and I must confess, this has been one of those books I have avoided for all of my pastoral life. This is the first time I've taught through it, and it is a challenge to teach this, uh, especially on the radio. But I would suggest, if you missed yesterday, our first episode, to go back and go to our podcast, Simply the Bible Podcast, and check it out because there's an introduction there I think it would be important for you to listen to as we go through this amazing Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs that was written by Solomon. We continue today in verse 5 of chapter 1 as we see the woman who could have been Abishag and the man being Solomon. We can't be dogmatic about that, but it is certainly possible and it helps give some real characters to this story. Verse 5, Dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. The woman was insecure about her appearance. Have you ever known a woman to have such insecurities or concerns? Now, in that culture, it was considered a sign of beauty to be fair-skinned. Perhaps it meant that you were a princess or the daughter of a wealthy person, for example, a Paris Hilton. You could afford the beauty treatments to keep your complexion soft, shiny, and clear, but she had no such beauty treatments. She had been forced by her half-brothers, her mother's sons, to work out in the vineyards. Now, they should have protected her. Instead, they were angry with her. It's a kind of Cinderella story where the half-brothers make our heroine do all the hard work in the heat of the sun. Therefore, her skin had become brown, like the sun-dried skins of the Bedouin tents. Her own vineyard had been neglected. That is, she had no time for facials, pedicures, or manicures. It was all she could do at the end of a hard day's work to just eat her dinner and collapse onto her bed, only to begin the same routine the next morning. Yet, though she was dark, she was also lovely. She had no false humility or pretended modesty. She knew that she had a natural beauty on the outside and a good character on the inside. Verse 7, Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? She pursues her shepherd lover during the midday siesta. She wanted to know where he was grazing his flock so she could find him. She didn't want to go searching among the flocks of his friends as a veiled woman. Then she could be mistaken for a prostitute. She took pains to avoid every appearance of evil. She was innocent and held fast to her integrity. 
yet she wanted to be with her beloved. Knowing that she was pursuing him in the grazing fields certainly would have been exciting for him. Every man wants to be wanted. Now he speaks. If you do not know most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherd. She was self-conscious about her dark complexion, but in his eyes, she was the most beautiful of women. And he told her so. He also told her to follow the sheep tracks. She could graze her young goats by the tents of the shepherds while she made her way to him. I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. I'm not sure I'd recommend you calling your fiancé or wife a mare. But in that culture, this comparison had good connotations. First, he calls her my darling, or literally, my love. Then he likens her to a mare harnessed to one of Pharaoh's chariots. We know from ancient Egyptian art that the mares of Pharaoh's royal chariots wore elaborate headdresses lined with jewelry. She may think of herself as dark, but he sees her as a black beauty among Pharaoh's prize horses. Her cheeks are beautifully adorned with earrings of gold and silver, and her neck is lovely, encircled with a necklace of jewels. Incidentally, most women are self-conscious about their looks, often magnifying their faults. The wise husband will meditate on the things about his wife's appearance and body parts that he loves. Compliment her. Begin with her clothing or the way she fixes her hair. Then move to the parts of her body that are exposed to all. Her face, hands, feet, eyes, ears, and neck. What attracts you to her? Be specific and tell her. This is not empty flattery, but honest praise for her qualities. She will become increasingly beautiful as she sees herself through your adoring eyes. The woman and man in this song were comfortable being specific and vocal about what they loved about each other. If we would enjoy such romantic love, then we must do likewise. Verse 12 goes back to the woman. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of En Gedi. She knows that he is attracted to her fragrance, and she is also attracted to him. Myrrh is a balsamic gum from a certain tree. It has a wonderful fragrance. I have some anointing oil that has both myrrh and frankincense in it. And believe me, it smells incredible. Now, she likens her lover to a sachet of myrrh resting between her breasts. He is sweet to her and close to her heart. Henna is a tiny aromatic plant often found at En Gedi on the shore of the Dead Sea. And he is like a cluster of the henna blossoms to her. So you see, she returns the compliments. She makes it clear that she wants him. Back to the man. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. He continues his compliments about her physical beauty and focuses on her eyes. Do you remember the song Brown-Eyed Girl by Van Morrison? Abishag, no doubt, had beautiful brown eyes, and Solomon found them irresistible. He says, your eyes are doves. What does he mean by this? 
The dove is a universal symbol of peace, but doves also mate for life. He could have been speaking of the attractiveness of her eyes, for doves are a lovely bird, or he could have been seeing in her eyes the peace, quietness, and gentleness of her character, for the eyes are the window to the soul. Or he could have been seeing in them her lifelong loyalty and commitment to him. She responds, How handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming, and our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars and rafters are firs. The more he gazes into her eyes and compliments her, the more handsome and charming he appears to her, and her thoughts quickly go to their marriage bed. Hmm. It is verdant, green, flourishing, and fresh. All these meanings can be applied to this Hebrew word. She speaks of their house, which is built of cedar and firs. Is this a literal house, or is she speaking of their family and their enduring dynasty? We don't know. I am a rose of Sharon, she says, a lily of the valleys. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated rose is a general term for a perennial flowering plant, so it may or may not be a rose. The New Living Translation translates this verse, I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon plain, the lily of the valley. The Sharon plain is a valley on the coast of Israel between Joppa and Haifa. Wildflowers naturally grow there. She calls herself a wildflower or a country girl. She is a natural beauty, but only one flower among many. In other words, she doesn't think of herself as anything special or extraordinary. But he says, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. He picks up on her comparison of being a lily of the valley and says, on the contrary, you are a lily among thorns. In other words, all the other maidens are thorns compared to you. Can't you just picture her opening up like a lily as she hears these words from her beloved. This is the transformative quality of complimentary words. She responds, Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Once again, she returns the compliment. He is like an apple tree among the trees of the forest. To her, he stands out from the other young men as being sweet and satisfying. She delights to take refuge in his shade, and his fruit is pleasant to her taste. Does this beckon back to the Garden of Eden? There, the tree with the fruit in the center of the garden was forbidden. But here, within the shelter and sanctity of marital love, the fruit is to be eaten and enjoyed. He has taken me to the banquet hall, she says, and his banner over me is love. The banquet hall is literally the house of wine. Wine was a symbol of celebration and joy. A banner would be over armies as they went to war. So to her, the banner was a sign of protection and possession. Because she trusts in his love and his protection, she willingly gives herself to him. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. This speaks of their love making. She is lovesick, passionately desiring his love. The raisins and apples speak figuratively of the sweetness of their love making. 
She longs for his touch, and he supports her with his left arm and embraces her with his right arm. This pictures their marriage bed and the celebration of it. Then she says to the young maidens, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. As her passions are aroused, she gives a warning. Understanding how powerful these emotions and desires can be, she warns her friends who are still single. It is a warning against premarital sex. Wait for it, she says. Wait for the appropriate time in your marriage bed. Don't stir it up too quickly, but wait for the right time. Now, in our love relationship with Jesus Christ, as we see the Song of Solomon pointing to that, I believe verses 3 and 4 are most appropriate. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. You see, to a certain degree, we should be lovesick for our bridegroom, for his appearing, because he is as the shelter of an apple tree to us. His fruit is sweet. I think of his characteristics. He's humble. He's gentle in heart. He is the prince of peace. He is the one who has given his life for us. And he takes us to his banqueting hall. He takes us to the the place of celebration, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And his banner over us is love. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time, we'll see where the woman's lover invites her out for a day in the country in springtime. She is a dove in his sight. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Song of Solomon on Simply the Bible.